Welcome to the African Tech Roundup episode 48 for the week ending Monday, March 14th, 2016. This is where we round up the week's most important tech, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andy Lemasugu and back from a week away is my co-host on the show, Defo Mohapi. How's it? I'm good, Matt. Great show last week and I also heard your chat with Talib and is it Brian? Brian? It's Brian, actually, spelt B-R-I-E-N. You know these African-Americans with their very, <clears throat> yeah, uh, non-conventional spelling of names. Yeah, but it was a great chat you had with her. That's awesome, man. We missed you, though, um, and it's nice to have you back. And, of course, if you're listening in for the first time, head on over to africantechroundup.com and do catch up on all our previous episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram for useful news updates, and you can count on us uh, to be highly opinionated uh, with our commentary. So our handle on both platforms is at African Roundup. And on Facebook, of course, you'll find us at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Now, before we get on with the show, this episode of the African Tech Roundup is brought Brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech with over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Sign up right away, or at least as soon as this podcast is over, by getting a great book called Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days by Jake Knapp, John Zarotsky, and Braden Coetz of Google Ventures. Just click through to audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech for your free audiobook. Now, last week, we punted some exciting news uh, in our partnership with Nest VC coming up this week. Yeah, I mean, we, we're pleased to be partnering with them. Uh, Nest VC coming out of Nairobi for their Africa office. And they have this exciting series of events and they hold, it's called What's Next, but for Joburg, for the first one in South Africa, it's going to be the FinTech series. You might be wondering what it's all about. Well, let managing partner for Africa of NestVC, Aaron Fu, tell you about it. What's Next is a series that we started seven months ago. Each month we look at a different sector. Uh, we've done financial technology, we've done agri-tech, we've done fashion, um, and we bring together a whole panel of government startups, corporates, academics, researchers, to really ask them what they feel is going to come up next in that particular sector. So it's always very exciting when a very different group of people come together uh, to explore a particular vertical. Well, it's all going down tonight, Monday, the 14th of March, 2016. Join us at NEST's What's Next Forum on Finance and Technology, as Defo said earlier. We'll be in Rosebank, Johannesburg at Standard Bank's Incubator. And the lineup includes the likes of Elizabeth Rosiello, who's the CEO and founder of Bytes, Sichabangwenya, CEO and founder of Creditable, and Geraldine Mitchley, Senior Director of Strategic Partnerships and Emerging Payments at Visa, just to name some. And registration is absolutely free. So if you're listening to this before the event goes down later this evening, please do register and come out and see us. For more information, head to our Facebook page and our Twitter page. You'll find all the information you need to register pinned right at the top. And now it's on to the news. We start with an update on the Dot Africa debacle. The Dot Connect Africa Trust has now sought uh, relief from a U.S. court. Uh, were last week's celebrations too early, Tefo? Yeah, they lasted exactly 24 hours or even less. Uh, I mean, ICANN had decided after the emergency meeting to let the Dot Africa GTLD go ahead and let ZACR and their partners go ahead with the process of rolling out Dot uh, Africa domain, GTLD domain names. But uh, last, the following day, Dot uh, Connect Africa, which is led by uh, a lady from Ethiopia of Ethiopian origin, Ms. Bekele, 
filed for a motion in a U.S. court in California to have this set aside and for the judge to have a look into this. And this has literally paused this whole process. But it's not surprising. I mean, they've uh, dot, when I say they, I mean dot connect Africa have sort of stopped this at every possible step of the way that is permissible from the onset. And now we've had delays of over two years now to get dot Africa domains. But let me let uh, somebody with more knowledge than I do on these matters, which is Bonface Witaba coming out of Nairobi, tell you a bit more. Last month, a U.S. federal court granted ICANN and ZSN registry the green light to proceed with the delegation of .Africa, Africa's GTLD. Africa's internet community received the news with jubilation, considering the long wait the continent has had for the GTLD. The joy was, however, short-lived when this year one of the contestants for .Africa filed an appeal blocking the delegation altogether. For over two years, ZDS Central Registry and DCA have engaged in a prolonged fight to become the official registry operator for Dot Africa. Pioneered by Sophia Bekele, DCA has made application attempts to be the official registry for Dot Africa, a move that has time and again been rejected by ICANN. The local standard thus means Africa is yet again subject to another unending state of oblivion. Speaking on condition of anonymity, an ICANN associate reiterated that this year's move was doomed to fail and that Africa would prevail. Well, judging by the tone you took before that comment, therefore, it sounds like you, you've got a side in this, in this whole debate. I do. I side with the dot Africa, which means I want the domains to be rolled out. I mean, they could sort out whatever it is that they need to sort out somewhere else. So to me, it seems, and I'm going to go like put my head on the block here, it doesn't seem like Dot Connect Africa really cares whether dot Africa gets rolled out, given how they've been delaying it. You might argue that ICANN and the guys are allocating the responsibility for rolling out the GTLD also might in the same breath not care if it rolls out because they're not involving dot Connect Africa. But yeah, let's get the domains and sort out your legal battle somewhere else. But it comes back to some of the debates we've been talking about, like net neutrality. Who should be responsible for the internet? Companies, governments, the UN. In this case, ICANN is related to the UN in one way or another. But how? who, who should be responsible? You know, one has to admire the litigation hustle at Dot Connect Africa at every twist and turn. And I think it's... it's it's, an, it's turning into an art form at this point. I mean, they seem to preempt all the moves their opponents are going to make. And for all intents and purposes, for this round, they've won because um, they've been granted some sort of reprieve. Only until April. I don't know exact date on April, but people can look it up. But it's only until April, then the judge will, the court will decide again. So I suspect, again, we're going to be involved in another cycle. As you say, I think they've got a war room where they've got this huge chart that dates for years where it looks forward into 2025 like this is a scenario planning there might be four decisions out of this if this happens we're going to do this if this happens and that goes on forever and ever so the big question then is who's funding them but i mean you you to your point earlier um neutrality and who should run what and who should be responsible for what who do we actually trust dot connect africa seeming to position here as almost a nationalist, a pan-Africanist voice, like almost getting us as consumers starting to question, you know, why the rights of the dot Africa domain must go to, to so-and-so versus so-and-so uh, and not on the continent. Look, looking at the team of people they have um, on, on their website, uh, a great deal of them don't seem to look too African to me. Look, not only that, but the question is, they don't have the African state support, not as much as uh, the ZACR or the guys who won the bid to 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 be responsible for the GTLD, the dot, dot Africa GTLD. They didn't get the OAU support. They didn't get the required African state support in terms of numbers. So I think, yeah, it's technicalities all the way. So uh, they must just get over and done with this and carry on. Clearly, there's a lot of money in this. Maybe we should join it. 
Clearly. Listen, all I can't wait for is africantechroundup.africa. That'd be so awesome. As soon as that happens, we're going to throw a party around here. Yeah, or techroundup.africa. Ah, la, la. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, moving on to South Africa next, where IBM has just announced the opening of Africa's first cloud data center in Johannesburg. Big news. Uh, who do you think is intimidated by this move, therefore? Do you think uh, Dimension Data, maybe? Or BCX? Mm-hmm. Those boardrooms must be interesting places around about now. <laughs> yeah, but it's. Uh, I think they went with Kijima probably because they're one of their big partners. Look, I don't know how the money looks like on how much revenue uh, Kijima brings into IBM in terms of sales. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And Vodacom involved as well. Yes, definitely. I mean, they definitely in this day and age, you need a telco involved. Uh, but it's interesting because I think a week back, we, we spoke about and tweeted on our, on our Twitter channel, the Terraco. We're building uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, data center in Africa. But the interesting thing, why... I remember that story and why I'm mentioning it is in this case, IBM's decided to go with one telco, which is Vodacom, where areas in the case of Terraco, they're known for being, I'm going to use this word, net neutral, but I'm just using it incorrectly, but they're more like the telco independent. So you could have your data center and it could go to whoever you want to use. IBM intends to provide clients with a complete portfolio of cloud services for running enterprise and service workloads and essentially do everything that Dimension Data has so far, I think, been managed to corner in the South African market at least. Yeah, definitely. And other likes on a smaller scale like BCX, your data centrics. But what's interesting for me, again, is the partnership with Vodacom. And the specificity, um, could this play against them in time or could this be a competitive advantage, do you think? Do you, I, I, I can't imagine they pick their partners lightly. No, I think they did their due diligence and they will make money, but uh, it will it will definitely also turn away some potential clients. Uh, congratulations to IBM for getting uh, getting it first. Well, Taraco announced it first. IBM opened theirs first. Uh, uh, underline getting it done. <laughs> but we look out for, for more of these data centers to be hosted right here on the continent. It's ridiculous that it's taken this long to get our very first one. Yeah, I mean, there's also Node Africa, which was born out of the founders of Angani who decided to open their own uh, virtualized data center in Nairobi. So but does it count? I mean, in terms of scale and in terms of the capacity, does it count, uh, relatively speaking here? It does count. I think it counts. They're starting small, yes, but they've got some enterprise clients. Not as large as likely what IBM is going to get with government clients, but I think it's a responsibility of governments to support the likes of Node Africa. It's true. Absolutely. Hat tip to them. I actually, I'm kicking myself for actually calling it the first data center in Africa. There's probably some dude with a server in his, ba- in his bathroom uh, who did it first. But, <laughs> but yeah, I guess IBM, you, you, get, you get us to say that. Uh, you know, well done for putting it in your press releases. Yeah, it's all PR. All PR. Well, happy belated International Women's Day to all of you female listeners of ours. International Women's Day last week, uh, Andela announced its first all-female developer cohort. Good news, I think. Sexist news? Good news? I don't know. I think it's good news. As, as men, we, we, we benefit from the privilege of just being male sometimes. Same way white people benefit from the privilege of just being white. I was being tongue-in-cheek about that. I, I'll be the first to admit that if there ought to be affirmative action in any direction, it ought to be in the direction of, of including far more women in economic, and in this case, uh, technical activities, science-based, math-based activities. So well done to you, Andela. Yeah, well done to them. And please support Kenya, not Kanye. Kanye is not broke. 
Kanye is not broke and Kim needs some clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe we need to support him for that. Yeah. Well, teach her to program or something. Anyway, the application deadline for Andela's Kenya all-female developer cohort is April 8th, 2016. Please don't sleep on this, ladies. For more information, just head straight to kenya.andela.com. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely be posting any updates of interest. Um, so check up with us as well. Returning to South Africa now for our final two stories. Uh, firstly, uh, Telcom's introduced a Wi-Fi solution designed to help the globe trotters amongst us not have to worry about losing connection ever. Well... They're calling it the Pocket Wi-Fi solution, which offers mobile data across something like 140 countries. What do you think? I think it's nonsense. Sure, Chopra. Shoot it right out of the sky, man. Nah, I mean, let, let's break this down. I mean, it sounds very convoluted and like no wires tangled together. They're saying it's for roaming, so they allow you Wi-Fi, but there's limits. So there's like a 300 meg daily limit if you're outside South Africa. So yeah, you basically have this little pocket-sized modem. That's not new. We've been, uh, I've been carrying one around for a while now. Uh, you, are, you obviously put a SIM card in it, and it lets up to 10 people connect. But this particular one um, lets you roam, and they'll charge you something just under 40 bucks a month over 24 months, and you get 10 gigs of international data. This is where it gets confusing, though. They say... Um, you get 34 daily 300 megabyte data bundles. So basically they cap you at uh, 300 megabytes per day, firstly, ridiculous, as well as two gigabytes of local data per month to be used locally between business trips. So basically two gigs to use over an entire year in South Africa if you're traveling while you're in South Africa. Then customers are allocated 10 gigabytes of international data. They can then, hey, I don't know, then 300 megabytes... you, you, you. Then, but you, I, you. Listen. All I'm saying is, is this something you use? Is Telcom not aware of the fact that in most high-end hotels, uh, Wi-Fi is free. Airports, Wi-Fi is pretty standard in many. Uh, restaurants around the world, Wi-Fi is present. Uh, who, who needs this? I'm thinking. I was just doing the math as you were talking. This is nine hundred and sixty dollars over twenty-four months. Pretty much. So I could get a MiFi or a mobile modem small one much cheaper than that and as people always do once you land at the airport get the local sim you know the 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 sort of idea generation process within large corporates within large tech companies like one has to wonder how long they let ideas like this maybe this has been on the boil for years and it's a bit late eh? yeah it is a bit late i'm thinking take some cities don't have free wi-fi but they do have, in a way, free Wi-Fi in the sense. Take Amsterdam, for instance. Almost every pub or restaurant gives you free Wi-Fi if you like their Facebook page or, you know, you do some similar action or give them your email address. So as soon as you walk out of your rest of your hotel, you've still got Wi-Fi. Look, I, we raise it simply because uh, this is just another example of how uh, we see legacy tech really just getting it wrong in terms of developing relevant solutions for today's environment yeah and especially they're saying they're targeting this specifically for business travelers i'm thinking if you're a business traveler you're going to do business you're going to be either in a conference at another at a potential client at a branch office in another country guaranteed they have internet look the only thing i can think of from a business perspective is you you needing internet access for your presentation and this way you know you don't have to you know you can guarantee that no matter what happens you you know you have 
you have internet access. But then again, you're probably presenting in a place that generally has Wi-Fi. And then, yeah, I don't know. Listen, our final story feels like deja vu. Moving on to something far more serious. Vodacom is being accused of stealing someone else's idea. I'm sure we've said that before on the show. We have. We certainly have. And they're being dragged to court again. Yep. But in this case, I'm not siding with the guys filing it because they haven't provided much information, according to the court. Yeah, basically, Vodacom has confirmed that a business called Ndabentle Business Enterprises CC, and um, they've basically initiated a, a case against Vodacom at Johannesburg South Gauteng High Court. And the, and the matter will be heard on the 18th of April. Now, while Vodacom can confirm that the company is taking them to court, we haven't been told exactly what the challenge is. But we know it has something to do with the airtime advance innovation that Vodacom rolled out some months ago. Here's an interesting part. Celsi do the same thing, and I would imagine that um, MTN do the same thing too. You know what? We might need to call in friends of ours who have more expertise on the legalities of this kind of thing. I, I have a hard time understanding how protectable ideas are and how you'd go about protecting an idea like this because we, we might need to do an entire show one day or an entire discussion one day just explaining how it is if you have a, an idea this way and you're certainly trotting it out or pitching it to big companies like Vodacom, what it, you know, the boxes you'd need to tick to make sure that your, your idea is protectable because at this like you mentioned, uh, why have they gone for Vodacom specifically? Perhaps they pitched the idea to Vodacom. Perhaps Vodacom was the first uh, first to do it. And then uh, there was a Me Too uh, effect with other mobile operators coming into the party, but then doing it in their own special way to make sure that they didn't encroach on, on, on Vodacom's idea. I really don't know how it works. Because the Vodacom customers request airtime advance amount, they charged one rand as sort of interest on any amount that they request. John Kaba of Ndabentle uh, Business Enterprises, in their filing, are requesting five South African cents per one rent. It's a pretty lot of money if you think about how many transactions could possibly be going through this. But coming back, is talking about copyright and intellectual property law as it applies to technology and ideas. And I think it should just be scrapped because how do you protect ideas? So by that reasoning, therefore, n- none of the guys who have taken Vodacom to court should have any right. Look, the, the, first, the first case um, you know, involving Kenneth and Kosana Makate is a little more complicated because he was, in fact, uh, an employee at Vodacom. So that's, that, that's murky waters already. This, quite possibly in my mind, could have been a company with a great idea, pitched it to Vodacom, perhaps under NDA, perhaps not. Vodacom may, in this case, probably said, nah, we're not really interested. It's not such a great idea. Only for the idea to be implemented later on. But I think in terms of that, I mean, I think ideas as they are in the theoretical stage shouldn't be able to be protected. But something that's got mechanics to it, that's got processes planned out and documented, should be able to be protected by your intellectual property laws. Not so much copyright law, which I believe should be scrapped anyway. But yeah. So then how would a, a company like Ndabensi Business Enterprises test, you know, bring it to the stage at which you just described? How would they test that an innovation like Airtime Advance would actually work without actually getting a, a mobile telco to test it? That's the risk. What? Come on. That's ridiculous. If we start doing that, no one's ever going to share their ideas because they never feel safe enough. Test them until you've got traction then. 
With who though? You need a mobile telco to t- to try it out on the on the subscriber base. Because I mean, there's also a sort of financial services element to this idea. Because I think uh, Vodacom now is a registered financial services provider. I believe uh, I could be wrong about this, but again, how would you test a product like this if you didn't have like one the capacity, two the access to the market, and three the the the, the wherewithal to sort of test the product and see if it worked? Uh, you know, from a from a so, you know a profitability point of view. Build your own mobile telco. Join them as an employee. Simple. That's just crazy. Listen, we, again, we haven't even explained to people listening what the innovation is. Airtime Advances, where if you're a prepaid subscriber of Vodacom's uh, and you're like at zero cents, they've created an, a, a way for you to be able to use airtime you don't actually have. From what I understand it, you get some sort of allowance that allows you to use airtime you currently don't have. And then when you do load your, your phone with airtime, uh, with a with a voucher or whatever, it will just make a quick deduction for you. So really, they're just extending credit to you. And I think this guy might have come to them and said, listen, again, I speak under correction. I have no idea whether he did or not. But he might have come to them and said, listen, I've looked at this market. I come, you know, I grew up in the townships. I know what people's, I, I saw something, my neighbor's house burned down because they didn't have airtime. And if they had this this thing, it would have saved their lives or saved their property. Uh, Vodacom say, oh, lovely story. They wipe their tears and say, we don't want this idea. And then they let the guy go out and then a year later they do it themselves. Therefore, you can't tell me this is right. Let me answer that with a question. Would you let someone to test our audience with their idea and we don't make money of it? Never, never, never. Not our audience. You guys are too special. You too. We love you too much. Exactly. Uh, you see now. But uh, you see this is... So, so you're saying maybe these guys didn't do their due diligence in terms of coming to the party as a partner and... And working with Vodacom until they had a they had something I don't know is that what are you saying? Look, I mean, I'm sure that there's some we need to get. They didn't even the uh, Vodacom are asking for the case to be dismissed because there's not much given. So we'll have to wait for this to go to court. So I and, and I don't want to say these guys are entirely wrong. I'm sure there's some wrong that. Uh, Vodacom themselves have done. If there's an NDA signed, then Vodacom are in the wrong. If they shared, like, as I said, processes and this was a concrete idea, it wasn't just sitting around the coffee table and bouncing off ideas and like, oh, we should do this. But it was more concrete than that and proposals were shared and technicalities of how it would work were shared. Then definitely they've got a case. But if, it, if this was just an idea and no meat to it, then yeah, it's going to be hard for them to win this. Given how Ngosana Magante is finding it extremely difficult to win with his idea. Hey, whichever way you look at it, tough times ahead for with this company, Davinci, Business Enterprises. I have a feeling it will become a household name, quite like the way Kenneth Makate feels like a homie of ours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for him because he's been at it for like years and years going against uh, Vodacom, but it's business. Now, here's a comment from a friend of the show, a Zimbabwean tech entrepreneur in Zwisi Sachidembo. He's the founder of IT Illusion and a doctorate candidate at the University of Pretoria. He's studying into the area of mobile payments. Now, take a listen. When an inventor comes up with a new idea, it is important for them to have a clear objective for that idea. For instance, the objective might be for the benefit of the society, like open source. The objective for others might be for profit, as well as the benefit of the society. Knowing the objective for an idea is important because it dictates how one goes about selling an idea to potential partners. If you want your idea to simply benefit the society, you will view it as gain when more and more people copy and implement that idea. However, if you want your idea to bring back returns, 
You cannot go about selling your idea the same way as an inventor who simply wants their idea to only benefit society. This is because ideas tend to take on a life of their own once in the public domain. So it is vital for inventors and entrepreneurs whose objective it is to benefit from their ideas to make use of the mechanisms available to protect their right to gain from those ideas. These mechanisms include patenting. Because even when you have a pattern for your idea, you will still have to defend your idea when your pattern has been infringed upon. Case in point, Apple vs. Samsung last year. A pattern will give an inventor a leg to stand on in order to see through the initial objective that they had for their idea. I generally tend to back the little guy. And in this case, the little guy has got a steep mountain to climb and... In fairness to Vodacom, he still needs to prove his case. Yeah, I always bet for the little guy, but as little guys, we need to be realistic and know what the real world looks like. In this case, you go with an idea to Vodacom or MT and they're going to take it. If part of executing that idea is heavily reliant on their infrastructure, on their customers, on their processes, on everything that they do. And in this case, this is 100% reliant on Vodacom. This idea won't work without Vodacom. So then you ask yourself, without knowing what the court case is all about, what are Dabentle business enterprises bringing to the table? That's a solid point, my man. Listen, what do you think? Um, what's your hunch in this matter? Do you think Vodacom has a case to answer here? Do you think Dabentle are being opportunistic and perhaps were ill-prepared for the world they, they dabbled with when they approached Vodacom with whatever they idea or whatever meetings they took. Tell us what you think on Twitter. We are at AfricanRoundup. Can't wait to hear from you. Once again, today's episode of African Tech Roundup is brought to you by the good folks at Audible. They're offering a free audiobook download for you, our listeners, with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. This week, we're recommending a book written by three design partners at Google Ventures called Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days. It's a guideline for using their five-day process for going from problem to prototype. The book is based on a unique problem-solving method Jake Knapp developed while working at Google, which he coined the Design Sprint. His sprints were used in the development of everything from Gmail to Google X to Chrome. And when he moved to Google Ventures, he joined Brendan Kowitz and John Zeratsky, both designers and partners there who have worked on numerous products, including the YouTube redesign. Now, get Sprint or any other audiobook of your choice for free right now at audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech. That's audibletrial.com forward slash African Tech. Indeed he do. Otherwise, that's this week's show. Be sure to listen in again next week. Uh, the next episode drops at 9 a.m. Central African time on africantechroundup.com. Of course, you're listening to the show on Monday, the 14th of March. Uh, we can't wait to see you later this evening at the What's Next Forum on Finance and Technology in Rosebank, Johannesburg at Standard Bank's Incubator, all courtesy of the good folks at Nest VC Nairobi. And perhaps uh, we might even get some of you guys on the mic. Get your sense of what's pertinent on Africa's tech scene. Now, like we said earlier, you'll find all the registration details pinned at the top of our Twitter and Facebook pages. Again, on Twitter, we're at African Roundup and on Facebook, we're facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. In the meantime, it's cheers from me, Andile Masugo. And me, Tifo Mahapi. If you're coming through tonight, pop by and say hi. Peace.